is a global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. All right. I'm so excited this morning to have Angie O'Grady from Stella Pop with us. And I'm going to start out with a question I try to always start out with, but I don't always remember to. But I think it's super important after what we've been through in the past oh, year and a half with the whole global pandemic, which is, how are you? Great question, Liz. I have to say that you know throughout this past year and a half, certainly a lot has been learned by all of us. And I am very fortunate that my family has remained healthy. Our business has remained healthy. And thankfully, all of our clients throughout this whole process have also been healthy. So all in all, Stella Pop has nothing to complain about. Truly blessed. Oh, that's that's fantastic and unique. You know, I think we talk to a lot of people who aren't that lucky. So I think that that's fantastic. So great. I'm glad to hear it. So I would love to hear how you came to learn and know about the whole co-working industry. That's a great story, Liz. When I graduated from college in 1986, not to date myself too much, the financial world was not in a really great place. I also looked like I was about 12, which didn't help things. And so finding that first career was very much a challenge. The one thing I could do was I could type over 100 words a minute. And so I told my recruiter, just find me an executive secretary sort of role and I will take it from there. I was fortunate enough to get placed with what was an executive suite at the time called Omni Offices that had a division called Omni Letters where we did mass mailings for groups like Junior Achievement. So it was a perfect fit with my um, administrative skills and it was my entree into what's now known as co-working. I worked for that organization for close to 14 years, ultimately went to the level of managing a center in Atlanta. Um, They transferred me to Chicago, then to Houston, then to Virginia, where I thought that after that I would get to go home to Atlanta, but I met my husband here and 30 years later, I'm still in Virginia. There you go. So funny. Well, we've got some things in common there because I was obsessed with being the fastest typer in typing class, which is hilarious because people don't have typing class anymore. I don't think they do. And um, I've lived in Virginia and I've lived in Vermont. So, or not Vermont, sorry, Atlanta. I lived in Atlanta for eight years. So our paths probably crossed somewhere along the line. Um, And what exactly does Stella Pop do? Because I looked at your website and I'm like, oh my gosh, they do everything everything, apparently. (laughs) That's a great question. So we like to sometimes call ourselves a little Deloitte. Um, My husband leads a team of creatives. So we handle anything on the marketing creative side, whether it's a website or you need a new brand, a new name, collateral, your social media strategy, whatever that might look like. We have an extraordinary team that works within the co-working sector, but also with outside of the sector as well to support organizations. And then when I joined my husband five years ago, we added business management consulting to the creative consultancy. I act as a fractional chief operating officer for organizations, but also support as a sort of fractional HR resource as well. And I have a team that works with me as well to support clients on their sort of operational pain points. Amazing. And how many employees do you guys have? Let's see. We're up to 10 full-time employees as of today. We have two new people starting this week. And then we have about somewhere between 20 and 30 contractors that we work with all across the United States that support us in different ways, you know, 
know, especially on the creative side, there's so many different skill sets that are needed to run a creative product. You just have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, congratulations on that growth. That's fantastic, especially coming out of COVID. I love to hear that people are getting hired and events are back and people are coming out. And it looks like you're in the office today. So I am. I'm actually on site in one of my client offices today, but one of my clients that is in the co-working space that's in DC, district offices, I have worked with them every Tuesday and Thursday, um, almost throughout the entire pandemic. There was probably 30 or 60 days at the start of the pandemic that we didn't go in. But after that, we've been there every Tuesday and Thursday. I've been there with them. Um, I love it. Actually, yesterday I did eight tours, I think was the final number. I cannot recall in my entire career doing eight tours in one day. It you know, was unbelievable. I, I sat in Common Desk in Austin, Texas last week and watched the community managers do six tours back to back and lease all the offices that were left. They just, that, that all happened, I believe, in like the span of one day. I was like, oh, this is good. I'm seeing a run on office space. Yep. Love it. It's like somebody flipped the switch. So one of the reasons I reached out to you is I hear that you are just a maven when it comes to recruiting for co-working clients. And I'm just super interested to hear what your secret is because one of the hardest things, in my opinion, about running a business is hiring. Definitely. It's such an important piece of the puzzle because if you don't have that right person, everything else just sort of falls by the wayside. I think first and foremost, Liz, my secret is that I genuinely love it. I love the sector. You know, clearly I've been working in it for over 30 years, so I understand it really well. And I truly enjoy finding great people who have a passion for wanting to work in a role where you are, you know, living with your client every day and having to support them and delivering that extraordinary service. So it's a ton of fun. I just, I genuinely get pleasure out of it, um, which I think is a big key to my success. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I think if it's something that you find fun, like one of the things people often tap me for is negotiations. And they're like, how are you so good at it? And I'm like, because I love it. Negotiations are fun. You're like pitted against somebody. You've got to strategize. I love a negotiation. So yeah, I hear you on that. So one of the hardest roles I think to hire for in our industry is community manager because we ask that person (laughs) to be all things. Like you might have to do social media. You will have to do tours. You are going to have to host events. You are going to have to manage the software. You're going to have to manage the space. You're going to have to host this space, like, and the list goes on and on and on. So, what qualities in particular do you look for when you're searching for a great community manager? I think at the core, Liz, is finding someone who really has customer service in their DNA, is kind of how I like to think about it. I mean, there's lots of things that you can teach someone. You know, we can teach someone how to sell our product. But if somebody inherently just doesn't have it in their core of how do you respond to someone when this situation arises? Because you can't teach everybody, you know, and plan for if this happens, how do you respond? That's just an impossible task. But if people understand and can exude that customer service and make that customer feel like they are being taken care of no matter what the situation, and they can do that just as part of who they are, that's that's a big piece of the puzzle because everything else will follow. Your clients will trust you. They will know you have their interests at heart, which in turn will lead to 
retention and them staying with you long-term, even if sometimes you're telling them no. Yeah. Awesome. And then, you know, one of the places I've often looked for community managers is out of hospitality. Like if you've worked at a concierge desk, we need to talk. So where are some other areas that we should be looking for or things you love to see on a resume that you're like, oh yeah, we got to talk to this person? So definitely I agree, Liz, on the hospitality piece. Part of that is just, you know, when you're working for a hotel, it doesn't matter if you're the VP of sales. If somebody doesn't show up for the banquet line and somebody needs to scoop eggs, guess what? The VP of sales is going to be there scooping eggs if it means I taking love care that of the visual. <laughs> Um, and that's, you know, that's the way we roll in this sector because usually you're pretty lean and mean in terms of your resources you have on hand. And if something happens, everybody's just got to dig in and make sure the client's taken care of. So I absolutely agree on the hospitality piece. Um, and hospitality can have, you know, some pretty broad tentacles. It doesn't have to just be a hotel. It could be, you know, a lifetime gym, an Equinox gym, somebody that's worked in that environment, a very kind of emotional sale, a very, you know, when you make a decision to join a gym, Gym, there's usually some sort of emotion behind it. You're either trying to lose weight, you're trying to be healthy. There's, you know, some of the upscale products, it's pretty pricey. So you've got to think hard. You want to really make it a good decision. So people that understand that kind of a sale and environment and the customer service is important there as well. Also retail, um, depending on the retail, if it's high-end, you know, I had some recent successes with someone that had high-end retail experience. And actually, there's a young man that I hired that was the co-manager, community manager, excuse me, of the year for an organization. And he came from retail. So, you know, you just, you just got to look for them. And sometimes you can find those diamonds in the rough that come from places you might not otherwise expect. Yeah. I always love to hire from Nordstrom's because Mm -hmm. they basically have a routine that they understand. Like if you notice when you go into Nordstrom's, the first thing they do is compliment you on something, which immediately you're like, oh, thanks. You know, it's (laughs) like, it's just these little tricks that they're taught and that they have got in their routine that are, are so valuable. Absolutely. And, you know, organizations that have really good training programs like your enterprise or in a car, you know, they're known for their training and their management training programs, which helps people understand a system and how do you operate and things that you should think about to enhance that customer service and be productive and hit your goals. That's another you know, really great thing to think about. Yeah, for sure. So another problem in the industry is getting a community manager that you're going to just you know keep so busy every day. How do you keep them other than just money? Because that's an easy answer. Like, What are some other ways that you can really show that employee that you value? you them and to make sure they stick with you. I actually had that conversation with somebody today. I think for all of us, we want to be appreciated. And no matter who we are at what level, a thank you can go so far. And that thank you could even just be, hey, Catherine, thanks so much. I appreciate everything you're doing to step up and learn how to do the new job that I hired you to do. Could be a note. It could be a bottle of wine. It could be a flower. But sometimes those little things go so far. And candidly, we're all stretched even busier than we ever were. It's easy to forget. And especially now when we're not face-to-face in the room together, it's even harder to make sure that you're expressing that appreciation for what someone is doing. So you're right. It doesn't have to be all money. And I also think people want to feel like they're a part. So engaging them in the conversation, making sure they feel like if they've got an idea on how we can do things better, how could we improve something? You know, Is there a product we could be selling? 
that they feel like they have a voice where they can contribute and really be a part of that success. That's what people want. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think like being seen and being heard is so important. And again, we're also busy being busy that we forgot forget to stop and like really listen and like, don't look at your cell phone, really engage in that conversation and make the eye contact and give them your time. And I think that that, that's a really great point. So one more on hiring, because I'm a little obsessed. What mistakes do you most often see when it comes to hiring practices? I think it's easy for people during an interview, when you're interviewing someone to talk too much, when in all honesty, you should be talking about this much. And the person you're interviewing should be doing all the talking. So, you know, yes, you should give them information about the company and your culture and all those things that are really important because you want them to feel like it's the right fit. But you really need to be listening to them and asking them questions that will give you meaningful answers. My husband and my 18-year-old laugh at me because I have a very specific sort of cadence that I have when I do my phone screens. And, you know, my 18-year-old, he'll be in the car with me and he'll do the like, no, mom, that person is in a winner. <laughs> so, you know, you do need to make sure that you've planned and you've got your interview questions and that you're ready to let that other person talk. That's really important. I think one of the things I will mention as well is in this day and time, your social media presence is super important. Candidates are looking at your glass door. Candidates are looking at your social media to see how active you are. They want to know who you are, what you're about. And if you don't have an active social media platform, sorry, Costell Pop will help you, but you need it because it's, even though there, there's also some of people say to me, well, Angie, it's the pandemic. Everybody's looking for a job. Well, wrong. You know, I think right now, what I've seen even in the last 60 days, the fight for good talent is just as strong as it's ever been partly because companies are now hiring again and it's just a it's a different climate and people are being more thoughtful about that change because a lot of people have had a lot of time to reflect what's important to me what do i want what does my next career move look like and they want to make those good decisions yeah i think that's so true and i think the other thing they're they're looking for is like what do you stand for and what are you doing to contribute to help with sustainability, with racial unrest, like what are what are you doing to better the world? And there are exactly. lots of youngins that aren't going to come work for you if you don't have that figured out. That is absolutely the truth. That is so important, especially for you know those younger folks that are just entering the workforce. And again, they want to be a part of that. Yeah, and they will vote with their feet. They have no problem leaving a job. None, zero. They are not like us where we would stay for. You you know, 15 years somewhere, they do not do that. And it, they don't view it as bad if you hop around. So, you know, and I'm not saying it is or isn't. I don't know. I think it depends on you and what your goals are. But definitely, they will vote with their feet if you're not delivering. And that's one thing, Liz, sort of on that point. You know, sometimes I'll submit a resume to a hiring manager and they're like, oh, Angie, you know, I don't like all this job hopping. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, a resume today, to your point, Liz, is not what our resumes look like. Right. And somebody that's worked somewhere two years, you know, for four times, you know, four jobs in eight, eight, 10 years is really not, that doesn't mean anything bad. It just could mean all kinds of different things. And that's not a reason to not hire someone. 
actually, we just hired someone and that was one of you know my concerns, even though I understand it. And I said specifically to my husband, ask her just to understand what all that's about. And she had a great answer, which was, you know, I just wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And so yeah. I've been trying different things, trying to figure it out. Great answer. Love it. Yeah, so true. And I am with you on the questions. I recently, I've gone back to grad school and one of my professors had me read a paper on asking great questions. And uh, it's so worth the preparation. And yeah, asking great questions is fantastic. And one of my favorites is after somebody's asked a question and you're super interested in it, you can always say, that's great. Can you tell me more? And then they'll dig a little deeper. It's such an easy tool to get into the meatier stuff. Exactly. Yep. And yep. and again, and good question asking, just like in sales, is not it's it's not inherent. It's almost something you have to learn. You have to do your research. You have to do your preparation. You know, I have a whole, like when I'm doing a true face-to-face or a Zoom, I'll have a whole list of questions. I'm not going to ask them all, but I know what they are. So I could jump from thing to thing, depending on where the conversation mm-hmm. leads us. Yeah, fantastic. So I'm going to I'm going to jump out of hiring now and go like a little bit bigger. So I know we talked a little bit about COVID and your business, but what what are one or two business practices or new ideas that you've learned during COVID that you're not going to that you're going to continue to implement? Mm. Um, <laughs> so for COVID, well, I'll say this, one of the things that I've learned as a consultant that it's hard for me to be successful without having a very strong engagement with my client. And that is lip-to-lip conversation. I'm just that kind of worker bee. I like to talk to you. I like to, you know, even if it's a little chit-chat, but just to connect with you. And without that connection, it's really hard for me to be effective. And it's been great as a consultant during the pandemic because I've worked with so many different companies across so many different sectors and to see their communication styles, things that they have communicated to their team and how they have dealt with things has been really eye-opening. I have one particular client. She leaves a government contracting organization here in D.C. And her communication to her team is just extraordinary, extraordinary. And I think it means so much because even in normal times, they're on site with the customer. So they're not working all in their office together every day. So for her, having that connection with them is important. And I, again, I believe that in all sort of disagreements, the root of that is usually communication, whether that's in your you know, personal life with your spouse or your child or your sister, or in your professional life. So many times it's because someone didn't communicate effectively or communicate at all, you know, and somebody didn't raise their hand and say, I just don't understand. So communication is is really, really important. And it's not easy. Yeah, I totally agree with you, which I feel like I've said way too much, but I do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I'm always coaching my team members on is they'll like read a text or an email in a super negative or aggressive or dramatic way. And I'm like, you know, let me read that and I'll reread it in a super pleasant tone. And it's like, you don't know tone on email and text message. So instead of assuming the worst, assume the best. And if you're confused by it, ask some questions. I totally agree. Communication is the root of most problems. Definitely. And I, I, Liz, you're definitely on point with that about the the tone of emails. I also have a client that has a very sort of um, dry, sarcastic sense of humor. And sometimes the emails, you get them and you're like, ugh. 
really? You know, and then if you, if I think back on it, I'm like, okay, if you flip it around, it's, it's funny, but it, sometimes it's hard to read it as funny. <laughs> totally. And then like another thing that I've had to really watch with myself is like, as soon as we've had introductions, I stop with the pleasantries, right? I got to get stuff done. And then I found like in some even cultures, that's rude. And that you have to do the pleasantries, which like for me as a type A, like let's get it done right now. I have to pause and be like, is this a pleasantry person or can we get right to it? <laughs> Liz, you are cracking me up because I am, as we discussed, also a morning person like you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was at CAR, I know my team just to like hate me. I'm sure they had dolls with pins in them because <laughs> they would, you know, show up in the morning and they'd have, you know, eight emails for me. And it was, you know, 8.30 and I'd been there since seven or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for me, because I do love my mornings and I start them off early, I same thing. I would have to stop and go, okay, Angie. They just got here. It's just their morning. Good morning. How are you today? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's oh. an active, like, I got to really put that in there. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise I'd be like, okay, where are we? How many tours do we have today? What's going on? Yeah. So, yeah. And that goes back to people need to be heard and seen. And you've got to just like pause and take time for that, which leads me to what I, one of the things I learned during the pandemic which is hard in Austin, Texas, when it's like 100 out and at 1,000 degrees humidity is, um, or percentage, is um, a daily walk made me better. 100%, it made me better. I need to breathe fresh air. I need to be out amongst the trees. Like, it just was a game changer for me. And that's one of the things that I learned in the pandemic that I'm going to It's funny, I've changed it though recently because it is hotter than Hades here. And I was really annoyed because it's almost too hot to walk for a long distance. And I was like, oh, I can swim every day. So I'm just going to swap my walk for a swim. There you go. Yeah. And then still get the... Get get the whole experience of being outside instead of spending all day in air conditioning. So last question um, is, what are you doing to protect your mental health? Great question. So many years ago, well, actually my husband, I first got married. We used to walk every night in it. And when our 18 year old was little, we would throw him on his little trike and we would walk every night. (laughs) And then there came a point where that was a little more difficult. And so I started running. And so I run five days a week. I, the height of the pandemic, I was running outside. Thankfully the weather was nice in Virginia and I could do that, but I hate cold weather. So when it got cold last, you know, November-ish, I started going back to lifetime and doing my, my exercise there. But I believe in that too. I mean, truth be told this morning when my alarm went off at five, I was like, oh my gosh. And I thought about skipping my workout. I was like, no, go clear your head. It's what you need. And after I did it, of course, I was very happy. And I do, I'm a firm believer in that. It just, it, it, it really, it saves my mental health. It really does. And I actually, I have, in case anybody's never heard of it, another client that we did a zombie challenge, I think is what it's called. And it's an app and we were in teams and it was like a step challenge and every day. And then you're, you know, however many steps you get the power to kill the zombies and all this. It was just, 
it was fun and they have a slack. So there's all kinds of, you know, crap being thrown back and forth about, oh, my steps are better than yours and all that stuff. So just real fun, competitive way to kind of get together, even though we're not. So that, that was something fun that I did. We did it, I think twice. And I think we're getting ready to do it again. So something fun that'll keep you active in some way to add a little competition and fun amongst yeah. your team as well. I love that. I'm going to look that up. The other thing I did was I got this aura ring, which is like a little computer you can wear on your finger um, because I don't have an Apple watch and I don't really like the Fitbit and it tracks your activity and your sleep. And so I actually am sleeping a lot more because I understand how much sleep I'm getting and the quality of sleep I'm getting. And I just thought like, oh, if I'm in bed for eight hours, I got eight hours. And uh, that's not really the case. (laughs) So yeah. And, and the other thing is, you know, it's funny because we all think, you know, physical health is for your physical health. Mm. But for me, physical health is for my mental health. Definitely. I completely agree. And I think one of my, I don't know, you could call it a shortcoming or the other way to however you want to look at it is that I'm all in for all my clients. You know, I'm part of their team. I don't think of myself as a consultant. So, you know, if we're not getting enough tours or there's people issues, I'm worrying about all those people. So it's not that I'm just worrying about, you know, my one company anymore. I got Mm -hmm. all these companies I'm worrying about. So keeping that physical activity is really, you know, helpful Mm -hmm. to keep my, my mental, you know, part zoned in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's maybe one of those big keys to why you're so successful. (laughs) And it has been such a pleasure speaking with you today. And I'm so excited to have you on the Juicy Podcast. And I look forward to getting to knowing you even better and hopefully seeing you at a Juicy this fall. Absolutely, Liz. So Angie, if somebody wants to reach out to Stella Pop and needs some help, how can they reach you? They can reach me at Angie at StellaPop.com or you can call me at 703-956. 3022. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. Have a super day. You too.